Welcome to the Birth Warrior Podcast. In each episode, we feature the stories of birth warriors, women who have persevered to find their own truth in pregnancy and birth. As you hear these women share their stories of love, autonomy, connection, and power, it is our deepest wish that you will be inspired, empowered, and supported to find your own truth. We are honored these women have stepped forward to share their personal stories and to help us remember that we all have the power to choose what is right for us. The Birth Warrior Podcast is a presentation of the Indie Birth Association and is not intended to be medical advice. Hello, friends, and welcome back to the Birth Warrior Podcast. I am your host, Jaden Graham, and on today's show, we have Claire. And for the intro, I'm going to break my own um, flow and rhythm of how I usually do these intros, um, which I usually do them in the third person, and um, read it from exactly what Claire had sent me um, from her own words. Claire, Claire writes, My four incredible birth experiences have catalyzed and propelled our family into the life we are meant to be living through the discernment process of creating my birth experiences at home and in freedom, we broke through other barriers of current society and culture and began the incredibly rewarding journey of living simply and blissfully together as a family. Birth is where it all began. Mm, Yes. (laughs) Love this. Um, Yeah. I hope you enjoy this uh, this show and this episode just as much as I enjoyed recording and interviewing and sitting with Claire and listening to her story. Thank you for coming here today. Hi, Claire. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. So wherever you would like to begin your story. Yeah, um, well, I'm so excited to share this story right now because I'm coming up on the 10-year anniversary of becoming a mother this coming weekend, and so, yeah, my husband pointed that out this morning, and I was like, oh, that is really special, and um, yeah, so I'm just so grateful. (laughs) Thank you, yeah, it's been such a journey, Um, so I have four little ones. Um, presently and I have one in my tummy Mm. who will be born at the end of August Um, probably at the beginning of September based Mm. off how it usually goes Um, so yeah I can just start at the beginning there if you want to I think that's where it all began was um, just as we were conceiving our daughter Edith who will be turning 10 in June so um I was dating my husband, um, who I've known since I was a little girl. I was, um, I think, 11 when we used to spend the summers together at our beach house. And um, we just had this really beautiful coming together. And um, when we grew up a bit, he's a little bit older than I am. And um, when I came back, when I was 18 to the beach house. He was there and we spent the summer with my sister and my cousin and 
we just had such a beautiful summer of love is what we call it now. And um, yeah, I was really young to be pregnant by the end of that summer. And it was kind of a shock for all of us. Um, even though he did say at one point that I think I'm ripe for the fatherhood um, <laughs> to somebody that summer. And so we look at that as like the point in which it like the deal was sealed and the message was sent out that we were meant to be parents. And so <laughs> it wasn't completely out of left field. Um, but yeah, so I was, um, when I found out, I was actually going in for an ear irrigation. I, we had just moved from the beach vacation property to downtown Seattle and we were going to try the city thing. Um, and I was going in for an ear irrigation and I just had this feeling that I might be pregnant. And, um, I guess I hadn't really let myself think about that too much until I was at this, um, like hospital room and all of a sudden I was like, can I get a pregnancy test too? And so they gave me a pregnancy test and I, this man walks in and he's like, you're pregnant. And, um, I just think that's such a funny beginning to all of this was that I was just sitting there like, wow. And like processing it with this person that wasn't really even part of anything. And he's like, I'm guessing this was a surprise. And, um, I just said, yeah. And I don't really remember how I left or where, but I do remember that I called Brian and, um, we came together and, um, yeah, we, um, I was, I ordered a um, beer at a restaurant before I realized like <laughs> that I, that I was pregnant and I was like, oh yeah, you, I, you can have a beer now. So I kind of sat there with a full beer and we sat there for a bit and then I was like, let's go. Um, and then we were walking down the street and I told him that we were having a baby and immediately he was excited and I hear that a lot <laughs> it's like um a lot this really sweet like moment where um the reality of like the negative parts don't set in and it's more just excitement and um so we were just like excited and we were looking at each other with this like wow wow and um yeah it's just really precious looking back on it now just these two parents having no idea what was in store for them and so then we were like oh okay well we need to take this seriously like this is a big deal we're having a baby and so um I th unfortunately like nowadays um it's not just like a given that you would have a child it's more of a given in my circle of family and friends that you would have an abortion mm. at um 18 mm. and so I was feeling like really like called to wanting to have a child and yet I felt like that was a silly decision like that I wasn't being responsible um especially since I'd only been dating my husband for three months and I felt fairly young um and so yeah I was just kind of trying to pretend almost that I was going through like this huge decision making process um, before deciding to have the child, because I wanted to like pay my dues of like, yeah, well, yeah, I've thought about everything and I've weighed it all out. And yeah, now after all of that careful deciding, I've decided to have this child. But I think in the back of my mind, 
I always was just like, yeah, we're going to have this baby. And I've always wanted to be a mother. And I have, um, I've just, I, my mom really, really enjoyed being mama. And that has just seeped into my being since I was little. And it just seemed like the greatest joy I could possibly have. So, um, but we did end up going all the way to the abortion clinic for an appointment. Um, and I, at that point, I felt very much like maybe it could be an abortion. And I would somehow, um, yeah, that, they, that almost that was like the rite of passage that was waiting for me. Just because I had seen so many women go through having an abortion I was like this is part of it this is just part of growing up you know and like I was like okay so maybe that's like the meaning of this and so I we went really far away I think it was like an hour and a hour by bus to go to this um, clinic that actually like puts you down like under anesthesia so that you're not I not present for it and I I was really just not wanting to be um, part like be there in that moment of having an abortion. I was just like, I want to not be there. And I felt very scared about being awake while that was happening, um, which says a lot about how I felt about it. So um, we went there and then I went into the clinic and um, I walked in. And I just, I can still see every girl in that waiting room, um, that every woman in that waiting room, and I can just, I was sitting there, you know, trying to be um, an adult about everything and feeling really over my head. And Brian um, was just waiting outside um, in the, on the stairwell, I think. And so I went in there and they were like going to do the routine ultrasound that they do to check if you're actually pregnant or not. And they saw the that I was pregnant and I was like, Oh, can I see? And they were like, Oh, we don't really do that here. Um, and I was like, no, I want to see. And so I just can still see her eyes like, uh, and just really reluctant in letting me see. And then she printed up a picture and she gave it to me and I looked and I was like, oh, that's my baby. And I just, my face is just smiling. I'm happy and excited. And, um, yeah, so I don't know, it was another one of those moments. I don't really know how I got out of there. Like I was just, you know, in my in my body and in my emotions. And I walked out and I saw Brian and I couldn't. I was smiling and he probably was very shocked when I was like smiling at him. And so we went out into the stairwell and we're sitting at the bottom stair, and um, I'm showing him the ultrasound, which is this like tiny little baby fish thing and I'm like oh I, we're gonna be parents and then I just started crying and I was like I'm gonna feel so fat you know like just like a <laughs> silly 18 year old view of <laughs> what pregnancy would be was like that was the only thing I was grasping at that moment so anyway he was like oh and it was great because he just got to be there for me about something that we could be there for you know like it was everything else was so huge about it but that was like he's like okay you're not going to be fat honey and so that was the beginning of him consoling me through many many pregnancies but um so yeah we went home on the bus and I just remember thinking about parenthood 
and talking about it with him and being excited about it and just being so grateful that we were on the other side of committing to this, that we weren't like wondering if we were going to do it. Like we were like, we're doing it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that pregnancy, um, we decided to move out of the city and back to uh, where our beach property is. And um, I actually got the same OB as my mother had for my last, for my little brother. And so um, she's always had, natural birds except four with me which is funny um and so she's always had well I guess she's just never had an epidural um and so anyway I went to this OB and I think he was from he was from somewhere far away I can't remember where but um he was really into technology and really excited that like we had this available to us so he had like an ultrasound um, like in his office and he would just like give me an ultrasound whenever I went in there. And I just like didn't know at that point mm-hmm. that that was not like normal or not good. And so I was just like going along and I was also like very committed to having a natural birth, but I just was going to have it with an OB um, because I'd never really thought of another way. And so I had like all the books. Um, I had like all of Ina May's stuff and birthing from within. And I actually have a um, picture of me showing my elderly doctor who is a sweetheart um, birthing from within. And he's sitting there looking at it with like the most skepticism ever at this like very hippy dippy book. Um, Just like, what is this? And it's like, you know, talking about birth visualizations and drawing your dream birth and um, he was just kind of like, what? Okay, well, we'll see how it goes. You're going to really, he's like, how do you can, I remember his question was like, how do you handle pain? And he's like, and I was like, oh, I don't, I don't know. I've never thought about that. And he's like, well, have you ever like broken an arm before or had like dental surgery? And I've just looked back on that laughing. <laughs> just like, how is that the same thing as having a baby? It's like the least natural. Yeah, right. Like you don't have any of those um wonderful it's, birth or like a, a cocktail of hormones you know it's such a different kind yeah of thing. yeah <laughs> exactly <laughs> yeah yeah so I remember just like being like oh well, maybe I can't handle this because actually I'm like looking back on it like every time I've been in the hospital I'm a complete wimp um and I because I had meningitis or yeah I had meningitis when I was three and I had to have a spinal tap then and I remember that so well, like being squished. I said I was squished like a bug, and <laughs> I was like really squished. And I just remember seeing my mom crying, and then the needle like goes into your spine, super painful. Mm. And then I had a really long hospital stay after that. And so that's actually probably one of the biggest um, things that informed my not wanting to get an epidural, which is a spinal tap. So. Um, anyway, I was, I, I've been very, whenever I go get any kind of medical work done at this point, I'm, I'm, I turn into a three-year-old again. And so it's kind of awkward for everyone and it's really traumatic for me. And so anyway, I, um, I, I was just at some point I had bleeding at 22 weeks pregnant and I, 
it was a fair amount in the toilet and that freaked me out. And all of a sudden I realized how much I wanted my daughter and how excited I didn't know it was going to be a girl, but I was just so excited to be a mama. And so we went to the hospital and um, I went with my stepdad and um, he's such a sweetheart. And he was just like, you're going to be okay. And he just brought me to the hospital where he birthed his own child with my mom. And we went in there and my, and my husband was working, um, a ways away and I was like oh well just don't come in right now we'll see first and so I went in and um we they actually gave me an an internal um uh an internal ultrasound which is so invasive um Mm -hmm. and I remember talking to the ultrasound technician and she was pregnant and I was like um oh wow you're pregnant I was like wow do you just like look at your baby all the time and um she was like no actually I don't really trust this technology I try not to use it and I was like sitting there with a thing in my yoni like why am I doing this then and yeah I mean I was grateful that that she said something yeah she did Wow. while she was giving me the ultrasound or maybe right after but I remember just being like okay well um and so that was like things started clicking at that point Interesting um, career I don't know choice if that was like her undercover really, way of telling me. Yeah, interesting career choice for someone that's hesitant about that too, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like either she's like on the sly telling all these women that they shouldn't do it like right. while they're doing it or I don't know, like I'm trying to believe in the best in her, but yeah, it does seem a little bit um conflicting. Totally. Work for someone who has that awakening. Sure. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I was in there and it was just a lot of waiting and a lot of fear to just be like, oh, all of a sudden you're fine, you know? And just like, it, that it was so, I was so grateful for that experience looking back on it later. Cause I was like, oh, this is not where I want to give birth to my child. So from that point forward, I started looking into midwifery and of course being young it was really hard for me to like own that decision because already everybody just thinks we're in over our head and now I want to have a home birth and um so we I remember telling my doctor about it and he was just like what you're crazy and um but he was sweet about it too and he's like well come back if you want to and I was like okay and Mm -hmm. so I left and I found the um a birth center that my aunt had actually given birth in and it was on Ferdinand street, which seemed like a really nice place. Um, cause I love that children's book and it was just in the a basement, um, of a little plate, like a little house. Um, and it felt like a home and that was kind of my compromise it was like, okay, well I'll have, I'll give birth, um, at a birth center. And so they tried to kind of upgrade me to like their new, um, birth center that was like really fancy with jacuzzis and everything and I was just like no I wanted to feel like a little like I wanted to feel like my grandma's basement and so we stayed there and um, it was a team of midwives Um, so I only got to see them since I started so late in my pregnancy about once um, or twice maybe and there was one midwife that I was really not wanting and, um, but I was just grateful that I was having a home birth and I actually got to go see Ina May, um, in Seattle and that was on Mother's Day and got to listen to her talk and watch all these great birth videos. And then I signed up at Best Year for a doula course, um, with 
Penny Simpkin. And that was right before I gave birth. And that was really great to, you know, have that experience um, before giving birth since I'd never been to a birth before. Um, I've always been so interested in pregnancy, but, and, um, but I've never been able to be a part of that. And so, um, anyway, I got home just in time from that doula training in Seattle and we lived across the water. So you have to kind of take a ferry boat, um, to where I'd be giving birth or drive around, um, the Island. And so, um, it was kind of a trek, but I felt confident that my labor is going to be pretty long because my mom's was and so I um, got home from the week-long doula training that I had stayed at the at Bastyr for and then I came and um, I'm yeah I think yeah I remember that I made love with my husband and then all of a sudden I was like oh my gosh labor starting and so um, that night I was really excited um, and didn't really sleep very much. And then also I had just read so many birth stories. So I was highly aware the entire time, maybe the way most teenagers are like what your story is or something. I don't know. (laughs) I just highly aware of like what my birth story was going to be. So I was just thinking about that the whole time. Like, so I was doing all these things like going on a walk with my um, little brother because he was like my first baby. I just loved him so much and wanted to be his mother. And so I like wanted to have a last farewell with him of the intimacy that we had then. And so we went walking on the beach and I just remember having lots of contractions and um, I was calling them waves and trying to be really positive about them, but slowly being like, whoa, this is getting really intense. And everybody, of course, wanted me to like go to the birth center, but I was just like, no, I don't want it. It's going to be a really long labor. Um, and so I like had my husband go to work and then um, he came back later and um, I had, I was home and just like laying on the couch. And then all of a sudden it got pretty intense and we still had an hour drive to the birth center. So I was like, okay, let's go. And of course, like the drive was the worst part. Um, but we went there and I had like so many things, so many hoardings. Um, I like brought like Monopoly and Parcheesi, like all these games. Cause I was just convinced I was going to be like, <laughs> I don't know, like really like waiting for labor and, um, and labor did pause, you know, like how it does when you are with new people all of a sudden. And so when I went in there, um, I, uh, I just like, yeah, it like paused. And so my husband, he brought a crock pot with elk stew. Um, I was a vegetarian growing up and then um, all of a sudden his brother had shot an elk and I was like ravenous for it. So mm-hmm. he brought a crock pot and like was start getting that going in the kitchen. And I was like setting up the game Parcheesi that I like to play. And then all of a sudden I was like, Brian, come here quick. I can't be alone. And just got into that zone of like not wanting to be alone and um, just really intense waves and just getting to know birth for the first time. So I went, I was going to have a water birth. So I got in the hot tub and that was right around transition. And I got really, really, really hot and um, felt like I was going to throw up. And I had heard about people who throw up and I was like, oh no, that just makes it worse. You know, like not only are you laboring, but you're throwing up. And so I was really resistant to that, but mm-hmm. finally I gave in and threw up. And then all of a sudden it was like, I'm in 
full on labor and starting to feel pushy. So I got onto the bed and, um, this is one of my favorite parts of birth was just that like, it got so intense that I started to float away. And, um, I was on, like, there was a ball on the bed that they had covered in a sheet. And I was just kind of rolling around on that. And I was just in this timeless place that felt like outer space. And I was like, Whoa, this is so cool. And just being like, like, floating away it was just so beautiful but then all of a sudden my midwife was like um she's like this is a really great position you're in but can you we can't really see anything can you get on your back and so I like flipped over which felt like a monumental task and um then I was on my back and I was stuck like that for the rest of my labor and I just remember that point it really shifted for me as far as feeling um you know, spacey and wonderful to like super intense. Um, and then my husband was kind of pinned behind me um, because I was leaning on him and it just wasn't an organic position for me to be in. And um, I looked back on that and wondered why a midwife would suggest that I, somebody get on their back. Yeah. Um, and they're just really old school midwives, I guess. But <laughs> I, I've debated calling them and and I'm, I don't know. Um, but anyway, so yeah, I, I then I was pushing and the baby all in all, it came pretty fast. Um, definitely not a 24 hour labor like my mom. Um, it was like six hours and um, like six hours, like total of like active labor when I think about it, maybe eight. Um, it was just, you know, I wasn't really thinking about time and it was the middle of the night and then out came Edie after the ring of fire feeling and it wasn't as bad as I had thought being called the ring of fire and I all of a sudden there was like this head and this baby and the baby was way bigger than I thought it would be even though she's only 7 11 and she had this raspy little cry um that didn't sound like anything I had imagined it was just so how her voice is now and just this cute little raspy voice and she came out and I just remember thinking that's my baby like there you are and um yeah just having that that feeling of oh I know you so yeah she she's the beginning of it all and her name is Edith and um yeah we went home and we went on the ferry boat and I did get out and that was my only birth center birth and I just was so happy that it had gone well and I felt so incredible that I had I had heard a lot of women at the birth centers like in the waiting room at the birth center of that just being like oh well we had to transfer and then like the midwives telling me that you know 50% of first-time moms transfer at their birth center and I remember being like oh I I hope I get lucky here you know it just felt like I need that with those odds. And so I was just felt enormously lucky and strong. Um, and looking back on that, I'm just grateful that my birth went well. Um, I don't really think that it was necessarily anything that had anything to do with me, um, except that I had a quick normal labor. And that's why I wasn't one of the women that had to transfer and have a completely different story. So yeah, that's Edith and she will be turning 10 on the 27th. Wow. But um 
Yeah, it's so fun to talk about that because I haven't talked about her in a while because now we have all the other ones and yeah, um, yeah. So <laughs> um, I can move on to the next. Um, well, what was she at some point? Um, you had um transitioned to having a free birth. Um, and I was curious maybe if you could kind of lay the lay the groundwork and the um like the steps of maybe it was from one of your other births or maybe it was um you know what influenced you to go down that road or to have an undisturbed birth even yeah totally so that was probably because um and so when I got pregnant right before we moved to Nicaragua um and and so we were in Central America and I started feeling really sick and then all of a sudden I was like oh I'm I'm pregnant this I get it now why I thought this is just a really bad parasite but this parasite Mm -hmm. (laughs) is not going away and um yeah so I went and got a pregnancy test there and um which was really funny because the word is embarrassada, which it just feels kind of like embarrassed. Um, and so I had to like ask like if I was pregnant. So it was like embarrassada, see si, or no. And um, it's like this little like house that I was trying to get a pregnancy test in. And um, I went and took the pregnancy test a couple times and um, in this little village. And because um, I didn't read the directions the first time. And so anyway, they I was pregnant and. I just, the first thought was like, oh my gosh, that's so great because Edie's going to be the best older sister. And I was just so excited, even though it was really not a great time because we're backpacking, um, you know, with our, with our little one and already felt like a lot. And so we just had a moment where we were like, okay, we're doing it again. And, um, and so, yeah, that, that was interesting because when we were down there, the midwifery scene from what I could find um, was kind of non-existent. I saw a lot of women, um, like driving their donkeys to go get formula and, um, like women on the bus, like on like these really packed crowded buses, Mm -hmm. um, coming home after just having given birth and, um, like, yeah, just like that they had lost that traditional midwifery and, I was like, oh, I should probably go get some um, prenatal vitamins. And so I like went somewhere that somebody told me that there's some prenatal vitamins. And I, I was like, oh, I'm here to buy it at this little potpourria. And they were, and I was like, can I have some prenatal vitamins? They're like, well, how many? And I was like, uh, I don't know how many you have. And they gave me six. Like, and I was like, that was the whole village's supply of prenatal vitamins. <laughs> six vitamins. And I was like, oh, I don't want to take all of your vitamins. So I didn't even we didn't stay down there as long as we thought we would be down there, but it was like a pretty significant way into my pregnancy. And I had gone that far without any prenatal care to kind of realize that it wasn't necessary. And, you know, my first pregnancy, I had had so many ultrasounds from that point, um, like in my early pregnancy. So for me, it was a huge change. And all of a sudden I just kind of felt what it would be like to, just you know be pregnant and that's it and so any not how even have prenatal vitamins and so that was probably my first initiation and then we had moved to the east side of the state which is um, a little bit more rural and um, when we moved back into the states Mm -hmm. and 
um, the regulations of mid midwifery are a lot more lax there. And um, so when I, when it came time to give birth, um, I was 36 and a half weeks and I had, I had a, um, a midwife that was, she was just like a sweet older woman and she was very non-clinical um, and very hands-off. And so, and that was at my, and it was my home birth. And, um, and so when it was 36 and a half weeks, I was like all of a sudden confronted with the fact that, oh my goodness, do I need to go to the hospital for this? Um, and I was very like, no, I can't. Um, and so I was talking to her and she's like, oh, we'll just sign some forms. And um, I think I probably was 36 weeks, but we were kind of like, you know, hope, like being hopeful in the fact that it was 36 and a half. And um, she was just like, yeah, she's going to be okay. I mean, the baby might be small and, but you're close to the hospital if the baby needs help breathing. And so, um, yeah, I gave birth and it took a lot longer. Um, I think smaller babies are harder to birth um, just because I feel like her neck kind of came out sideways. Um, and yeah, but we, I was in the water for that one. Um, which was my only water birth. Um, I kind of felt like I was stuck in there mm -hmm. um, after a certain point. Um, but she loves that she was born in the water because she loves seals and silkies and mm -hmm. mermaids and things. So she just loves being the one in our family that was born in the water. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like it was she was meant to be. Um, and I just remember looking at her in the water and I had read Frederick Le Boyer. Um, it's a French name the last name and I'm probably not saying it correctly but um he just talks about that um very peaceful undisturbed birth and um he takes it pretty far um but I just I didn't pull her out of the water and I just let her like kind of be in there for a while not very long um but just looking at her face under the water and then gently pulling her up and at that moment when I pulled her up, I was just like, okay, my baby's here. And I was just so excited. And, um, you know, what didn't care about gender or anything. I just wanted to just, you know, be quiet. And um, my midwife, there, like there's a plastic lining on those birth tubs. And my midwife kept like leaning in and like crunching the plastic and making all this noise. And I just, I really wanted it to be quiet for her little ears. And, um, and then she was like, talk to your baby, you know, like really wanting me to stimulate um, my baby to like cry because I think she was probably feeling a little bit nervous. I could feel her fear. And um, so that was one of my main reasons after that birth um, that I was just like, I don't really want somebody to affect my first moments in that way again. Because mm. um, she did cry and everything was beautiful. But even those small little things are disturbing and um, she was a beautiful midwife, but it wasn't, it just, it's like even a great midwife can be really um, disruptive. So um, with my third birth, um, I had kind of a feeling that, um, and her name was Althea, and I think that they're going to be listening to these later. And so <laughs> I just wanted to give her a shout out that that was your birth, Althea, my little mermaid. Oh, um and so anyway, <laughs> yeah. And then, so when I gave birth to my third, um, I had this experience of, um, of getting really big, really fast. 
and um, like a lot of people, right? But the midwives in the area that I was interviewing, like kind of were like, whoa, you can't be as pregnant as you are. There's like twins in there or something. And then they were like, all like, like they couldn't hear a heartbeat, even though I think it was like 10 weeks um, and I wasn't doing Doppler. Um, And so it's kind of typical not to hear a heartbeat at that time. And then they were like, I think it might be a molar pregnancy because molar pregnancies apparently like expand the uterus faster, which means that there's no baby in there really. Mm-hmm. And so it was just like a lot of like cough buffle. Um, and then I did submit to Doppler. And that, at that point, I really understood about the negative impacts of ultrasound. I hadn't had one with my second birth and I'd only had them in my very beginning of my first pregnancy. And I'd had enough of them. I had like 13. And so I was just like, really surprised that because of all the fear that the midwives were bringing about having a molar pregnancy that I was like okay let's do the Doppler so we did the Doppler and then we heard the heartbeat um and but that was after a long time of looking for a heartbeat so a lot of exposure and I just burst out into tears and it was just like such a relief to hear that I was actually okay and that I was having this baby like that this baby was here and then I was like so grateful to the midwife and then I was like but wait a minute I wouldn't have been even worried in the first place and um you know just like having those um dawning like points of the fact that like I've been really lucky to have these straightforward births but having the wrong person in the room and feeding on fear and like feeding your fear can really make you make decisions that you don't want to stand behind and that just kind of freaked me out that I would like you know submit so quickly to a Doppler and um yeah so from that point forward I was just like I don't I don't want anybody there I just don't trust them I like just don't trust midwives the ones that I've had that I've met I don't like it's just they don't feel right to me and I had never met anybody who had not given birth um with a midwife and most of my friends were like they were natural birthers and um in that scene and it felt like really radical to not be um, wanting a midwife. And even like talking to my husband about it, he was super supportive. And he's like, well, whatever you want to do, you know. Mm-hmm. But I could feel his like, whoa, that's pretty intense though. And then, um, <laughs> yeah. And it's like looking back on it, it's so funny. It's kind of like moving out of the country where it's like, everybody's like, really, you're moving out of the country to like this place with your child. And, and then you cross that line and you realize it was just an invisible boundary in the first place that we all put there. And that's kind of how it felt with free birth. (laughs) Yeah, it was just like, oh, once I crossed, nothing happened. It was fine. Um, I, I was really worried about like talking to people about it. Um, Like, I, because I felt like, I could get turned in like it kind of felt like that like that I was negligent in some way um and so I was just like really scared about talking to people about it and even like a lot of my doula friends especially my doula friends um it put them in a weird place um of I don't know like I felt like it was putting them in a weird place and nobody wanted to like come to my birth as a friend in case they would be seen as an accomplice in something and yeah, that that would jeopardize their careers. And I just felt really in, weird. And um, I ended up having two of my friends come to my birth. Um, 
and one was a doula, both of them are doulas. And I had one come who was just like a really great friend and I loved her. And um, another one was a birth photographer um, that was a good friend and I didn't know her as well as my other. And they really didn't um, get on well. And <laughs> I became a parent, unfortunately, maybe before the labor, I should have seen the warning signs that um, at the labor, it was like, they were just really um, stepping on each other's toes. Um, and um, so I was giving birth and it was so fast and it just felt like a train, like it was so intense. Um, definitely my most intense birth to have like a three hour labor from start to finish. And um, yeah, I was just in there and um, I was so grateful when I got to the pushing stage because the my cervix opening that fast felt really intense and I was just on my hands and knees and I'd really wanted that experience that I had with my first with the ball mm-hmm. and the sheet um, that I was leaning on and floating off into space I was like I want to float off into space now I'm ready but I didn't have a ball blown up yet and um so I just said to my husband, I was like, make yourself a table. And so he like got into this table position. <laughs> he was such a good table. He was just so good at it. Um, and I was like, he was the only person in my birth space that really just took on his job well. And it was exactly what I wanted. And so he was on his hands and knees and just being a strong table for me. And I was pushing. And um, at some point... So that was like a free birth. And yet I had friends that were doulas. And so I was really like intent on, I like, we had had meetings about, I want to be the person to catch my baby. I don't want anybody to touch my baby. I don't want anybody to do what they did with the last birth with the crinkling plastic. Like I want everybody to be quiet. Like I was really like, just, you know, I didn't have them there as doulas. I had them there as like womenly support, like extra hands, like my other kids and stuff like that. And, um, they just like really all of a sudden were like little midwives in there. Um, and I didn't really realize that until I looked back on the video, but, um, it was like from the point when I was pushing and like the baby's mouth came out, but not all the way, Mm -hmm. um, or like, I'm trying to see what comes first, right? Yeah. Like the top of the mouth came out, but not the bottom of the mouth. So um my friend would say oh oh you really really got to push you know and I wasn't gonna like keep pushing when I wasn't feeling like pushing um and so I was like why you know I was just like having that break in between pushes and she's like you gotta push you gotta push you gotta push you know like in that intense way Mm -hmm. and um I didn't and but it just was like really intense and when you look back on the video she's like looking at my birth photographer and they look so terrified and I don't know why it was so terrifying to them that only half them like the mouth goes out but she went in and like unhooked the mouth from around my vagina and I just like just uh, yeah like with her finger and like just like the microbiome like everything was just like like that like and and then she's like oh okay it's fine okay you're good and then it was like okay I was just like you know I didn't really feel any of that but when I saw the video I was just like well why does the whole mouth need to come out and the baby was like pretty gray too and so they were really looking at each other with that fear about the color um, looking back on it and 
Um, and so when I, when the head was out for like a good long while, um, I finally decided to push the rest of the body out when the time came and that was how my body wanted to do it. And I wasn't feeling like I need to make this faster, um, than it was. And so when the baby came out, he just started, you know, being like really loud screaming. He's so mad that like it, you could tell that he like came out like what was that because the birth was just really fast and intense and it just matches his personality now um of like when he gets hurt he's angry like immediately instead of like sad about it. <laughs> so um he came out and he was just like yelling about it and um yeah so I I was just so grateful and I finally was like oh oh it's a boy you know and just like really excited and kissing my husband and kissing my baby I had like vernix all over my nose because he was just so um covered in vernix and I was just really happy and um it wasn't until later processing like how my bubble had been invaded that I realized that like I didn't get the free birth I had wanted um and so that was that was like I I mean I would it's just interesting, like whether you need to define whether it's a free birth or not. It's like, well, I'm looking back on it. I'm like, wow, the medical system is um, very intense in terms of its infiltration. It, it like it, it like it has seeped in <laughs> through the sacred bonds of women in such a um, like insidious way. It's really hard to um, pinpoint like. I just, I, at this point, I don't have a lot of trust that, um, a lot, like that a lot of people can come in with a blank slate and not be, have a lot of fear and bring that fear into your birth space. So that was my big reason for my next birth. Um, I'd had a really difficult, um, postpartum with my third, um, just having two little ones. And then I'm, I went like on a hike after two weeks and um, I felt kind of like I had prolapsed. Like I feel like my cervix was coming out of like the opening of my vagina. So I went to physical therapy, but by the time I did, everything had gone back to its place. But I just think the fast labor and his big, big body had kind of just moved everything. So um, my body just didn't feel like it recovered very well nobody really cares once you've had three kids like nobody seems like they want to come <laughs> help at that point like I had a lot less support and um I luckily I was going to weekly massage which was beautiful and wonderful and I'm really glad that I took that radical step towards self-care mm -hmm. but um that yeah I'm I at that point that informed my last my next birth that I was just like I want to have another baby I've always wanted to have a huge family mm -hmm. um but I can't do postpartum the way we've been doing it where you go back to work after two weeks I just mm -hmm. can't um and oh yeah and I forgot to mention that my third birth was um like 42 weeks and so even if I had had a midwife at that point I would have risked out on that side of the state and had to go to the hospital mm -hmm. um or do it by myself so um it felt really right that it had worked out the way that it had. Um, and I did not expect that either having had a birth before that, that was 36 and a half weeks. So it was like, okay, my body is not going to play by any rules. And um so glad that I didn't have the intensity of like a midwife, like trying to like get me to induce at that time or something. But um yeah, so with my next birth, I was 
fully ready for an early birth or a late birth, the baby is going to come. But I, we decided that we were going to take like a year. We were just joking that we were going to retire. And so we built this tiny house and we were like, we're retiring, like telling everybody this, that we're just, we're done. We're checking out. Um, and we built this amazing tiny house out of um, a barn that we had torn down and, um, it's on wheels and we had driven it to New Mexico and um, we lived in a yurt down there and then an ashram and kind of just explored some communities because we knew that we wanted to live in community, but we didn't know what community was um, we wanted to stay at since we had kids, we had some pretty specific requirements. So we wanted to just explore, but meanwhile still have home with us. And so the tiny house um, came about and we were just zooming around um, on um, and we went through California and I was pregnant and I was like ready to give birth soon. And it was just feeling like that final countdown, like I need to hunker. Mm -hmm. And so um, I, we were just planning on having a, just a birth with my family and not with any friends. And um, so we found this little, um, community farm in the middle of a rainforest and the rain was just starting to set in and um, just in time it felt like we found our place and um, yeah we just had like a really beautiful last couple of weeks of my pregnancy walking barefoot naked through the rainforest and swimming in the river and then we came home and um, I had a lot of prodromal labor and felt like um, the baby was going to come and like, I'm in labor and I'm even pushing. And then the baby didn't come. And it was actually my husband's birthday, but we had lived so remotely without any connection that it wasn't actually my husband's birthday. We just thought it was, um, because we didn't have a calendar or anything. So we were, we thought that it was his birthday and I woke up and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm in labor. And my husband's like, yeah, right. You've been saying this for weeks. And, um, and I, so he was like, I'm, it's my birthday. I have to go mushroom hunting. And I'm like, you're right. You need to go mushroom hunting. So I let him go mushroom hunting and I'm like trying to set up the house for his birthday because we didn't have like a ton of extra funds or ability at that time. So it was like everything that was fun about that was just like had to be homemade. So I'm like making a collage and a mural and um, on the wall of like all of his baby pictures. And meanwhile, really like having intense labor and being like mad at him, like, why are you mushroom hunting right now? <laughs> and then trying to make it fun for my kids. And um, <laughs> he comes back with like a ton of mushrooms, which of course you have to process. Um, and so he's like outside processing all the mushrooms and, um, I'm just locked all the kids out of our tiny, perfect space that is just the perfect birthing space. And they're all running around and having a beautiful late fall day. And, um, we went on a walk after a while because things started slowing down again. And my husband was like, see, he might not be in labor. And then, when all of a sudden I was like, yeah, I'm in labor. And so I put the kids to bed with him and my husband was still dealing with his mushrooms and um, trying to process all of the, I think they were, yeah, he got a bunch of chanterelles. And um, anyway, I was just 
in my space and feeling like, oh, I wish I had a woman right now, you know, that could just be with me and not be doing something else. And so the, all the kids went to sleep. And finally, that was like when Brian could really be present with me. Mm-hmm. And um, he, I, he just has that kind of like um, Papa energy where he wants to be like helping and doing something and um, like the slow sitting and looking in my eyes is not always easy when there's that kind of intense breathing energy. So I definitely feel the need for a woman um, in this birth that I'm coming up on. But mm-hmm. anyway, um, I loved that my little girls were, I called them up right when I was feeling pushy. And with my last labor, I was like super quiet. And I just assumed I would be quiet again. And it was not the case with this birth. I was like being burned at the stake, like not like bad, but just like, you know, like that high pitched, like witch screaming um, <laughs> through contractions. And um, I was just kind of amazed at myself feeling and processing with it in a different way. And, but those little girls were just like, so good. Their energy was so good. They were this like, little flies on the wall, just like sitting there. And um, one was six and one was eight. And um, they were, and so my son was asleep and I'm glad about that but my little girls just sat there and they just held the space so beautifully and um so grateful to them and um my eldest was kind of like do you want the shower curtain now you know and I was like oh no no I don't need the shower curtain and of course we like destroyed our organic bed because I didn't need a shower curtain when my water broke all over the bed and um, so yeah, she, we laughed that we're going to listen to her for this birth, but mm-hmm. yeah, she was just there and I pushed the baby, um, and this little baby girl came out, um, and I held her and she was just, oh, she's just, she's just the way she is. Her name is Penelope and she's mm-hmm. just holding her felt the way that she is she's just my strongest little personality that I have so far and um and that's totally how her birth was too you know just like screechy and here I am kind of birth and that's how she is and um so yeah that was my like completely undisturbed free birth and um that was really beautiful but with its own uh, challenges and so now as I'm pregnant with my fifth um and I'm about 31 weeks, mm-hmm. I, I'm just kind of like navigating it, trying to find a woman um, presence in my new community that we live in, and not feeling very like, sure on who those women will be. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm having, I'm kind of have missed prenatal care. And so I'm having prenatal care with traditional midwives. Mm, that's wonderful. And that's feeling really nice. Um, just to have that attention. Um, but oh yeah, and I forgot to mention with my last birth, then we had this amazing postpartum for where I stayed in bed for 40 days and really redeemed my lost postpartums where I was literally in bed for 40 days and didn't shower, I didn't do anything but just be fed. My husband was amazing at that. He just fed me breakfast, lunch, and dinner and um and our plan worked our tiny house like 
exit society plan worked and it was just going to be for a little while that we were going to do that but we're still writing it and it's getting even better so um um, yeah so that has been great I feel like my body's stronger than it's ever been and um and now that I'm about to give birth again I really enjoy having my prenatal visits I really don't think I'm going to be calling my midwives um but I have my sister coming um and I am just, I'm, I'm kind of in that unknown space where I really want a woman there to support me. Mm-hmm. And yet I don't want to be disturbed. And I, those variables are hard to control. And so that's, it, that's kind of just, you know, it's really been great to go through all those birth experiences and sit with all of that and think, okay, well, what's it going to look like? next time and what are what is the most meaning thing, meaningful thing to me because at this point I don't really have anything to prove mm-hmm. I'm not feeling like rebellious like I have in the past like F the system I'm like okay I just want to like have a beautiful birth in which I feel supported and loved and I'm mostly just so grateful that I have all my children and I have really no fear um, like if I had a midwife or had anyone here it wouldn't be because I'm fearful about having complications I haven't had anything come up like that Um, my only fear is that I would feel alone and that loneliness is really really difficult during pregnancy so Mm -hmm. or during labor so that's my main thing that I'm trying to carve out right now and get really intentional about Um, so yeah that's that's my story Claire, thank you so much for sharing all of those stories. And I am just like sending out all the all the good things and all, you know, all the well wishes for you to find that woman that, um, you know, can navigate that space with you and just really, you know, honor your um, honor, your sovereign authority um, while also just holding space and being really you know a grounded presence that you need um in your birth and hoping hoping she comes soon um and is uh is there any last little bit of wisdom that you um from your births from your pregnancies from being a human on this planet that you would like to uh leave our listeners with yeah well thank you um I really am just so grateful that we have these stories being shared. Um, There's so much power in that. And I've gained so much from listening to your podcast and the women who have so courageously shared stories of their own. And Mm -hmm. I would just say that it's a process and that tuning out the rest of the world and the expectations as soon as you possibly can and really going through that process of going inward and really thinking about like, what's the most important thing to you and what's the most important thing to me. And, um, yeah, and just following that like fearlessly. So I'm really, um, I'm really grateful that more women are speaking about those evolutions for themselves. Beautiful. Thank you. What a what a beautiful what a beautiful insight to and wisdom to end on. Thank you so much, Claire. Yeah. Thank you so much, Shaden. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for listening. Storytelling is a profound agent of change. 
one that has the ability to plant seeds of inspiration, introspection, and beyond. If you have an empowering birth story that you would like to share on our podcast, please head over to IndieBirth.org forward slash birth warrior to send your submissions. That's IndieBirth.org forward slash birth warrior. Hope you have a beautiful week wherever you are in the world. Until next time, friends.